Many years ago, Shantal and I, um, when my son was still farming, we bought him one of these big puzzles, 500 piece puzzle. And uh, as you know, boys, they, they never build puzzles. So Shantal and myself one day decided, well, you know, we're going to build this puzzle for him and then we're going to put in a frame for him with his dogs and everything. And, uh, you know, we can do this great thing. And, and I'm not the puzzle builder, neither Chantal. Jessica's the puzzle, puzzle builder in our family. But I'm the world's, I can do the edges. That's about it. I can't see anything else. And um, in any case, it took us a while. I'm not going to tell you how long it took us to do a 500 piece puzzle because you'll just judge us. But um, we eventually finished this, this puzzle. And the most incredible thing about this puzzle was when we had finished building the entire puzzle, there was one piece missing. One piece almost in the dead center of this massive puzzle that there was missing. We searched high and low. We knew that we'd opened the packet. We knew that we'd poured out the stuff on the table. And we just could not find this one piece of puzzle. And as you know, one piece of the puzzle is missing. It's not a puzzle anymore. And eventually we threw the whole puzzle away. But it always reminded me of, of a few things in life. And I think many of you heard the story. But you see, I believe that God created us complete. God created us complete. But there's one little piece of the puzzle that God gives you and I, it's called free choice. It's called free will. And, and God sometimes builds the most amazing puzzle and the most amazing life around us. But for many of us, as you know, sitting here today, and we, you know, the world is uh, celebrating Valentine's Day today. We're all, the men are hoping that the girls that they have been admiring for years are going to fall in love with them. And everyone's buying chocolates and biscuits and what have you. And, you know, the whole world is, is trying to find something. And the whole world is trying to find an answer for really something that is missing in your life and my life. Before I was a believer, before I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I tried to fill that little piece of puzzle with so many things. Who knows what I'm talking about? You know, we try to fill it with sport, we try to fill it with drugs, we try to fill it with alcohol, we try to fill it with relationships. You know, some people try and fill it with a baby. You know, other people fill it with their work situation and they work 24-7. But whether you and I like it or not, whether we're believers or not, we all know as human beings that there's something missing in our lives. If that, you could be the biggest sin in the world. And let me tell you something, you feel and you know that there's something missing in your life. Now we've got to understand something, that often the missing piece in our life, if it's not filled by Jesus Christ, is going to be filled by sin. And when I speak about sin, I speak about the law, I speak about sin because so often we're trying everything possible to bring us into a place where we feel complete. Where we feel that this is it, this is, uh, this is your time, this is who I need to be. And it's so simple though because, you know, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Very simple. That, that He's the only one that can fill that space. And, and I love this about God that he, that he leaves that one piece of puzzle open because you and I need to make that choice. You see, in the Garden of Eden, God had this perfect relationship, a complete puzzle. And all of a sudden, sin enters the world and sin un some somehow unplugs this little piece of puzzle in our lives. And for years, we've learned under law and for years, we've learned under sin trying to do what it is that God needs to do in our lives or that what God wants to do in and through us. And I want to read the scripture this morning and I want to touch on that because I really want to speak on the greatest love of all and uh, what God has done in your life and in my life. But I want you to turn this morning to Colossians. Colossians chapter 2 verse 15. 
And I want to share this scripture because I believe you've got to understand that from the beginning of the earth, God and ourselves, or God and man was in a perfect relationship. Sin enters the world, and all of a sudden, sin separates us from God. And for 4,000 years, the world lives under law. For 4,000 years, we have to do to receive. We need to sacrifice animals to please God. You know, we need to go to church 18 times a day at 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 8 o'clock to please God. And so everything according to the law, we had to obey the law. Why? Because the minute that we were born, we were born with a sin note in this world. We were born into a corruptible world. But you and I were born with an accusation against us. And many of you say, but how is that possible? Well, that's what happened in a fallen world. That God gave man free will. And so you're born into a sinful world and you're born with a piece of the puzzle missing in your life. There's a note that's against you. And the note that against you says that you are condemned. The note against you says that when you die, you die and you'll go to hell. The note against you says that God cannot accept you the way you are because of this note. As the Colossians, he, uh, Paul writes, he, just, he does it in such a nice way, but listen to this. And I'm going to read to you from verse 15. Alright. Okay, let me, let me read from verse 12, verse 13. He says, And you, listen carefully, you being dead in your transgressions, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses. Now we're speaking about Jesus here. And so the word of God clearly says to us that we were dead in our transgressions. We were dead in our sin. And he says and what happens is that Jesus comes and he makes way. He says, listen to 14, he says, having wiped out the handwritten of requirements that was against us, which out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So the word says that there was, in a sense, you've got to picture this. You've got to picture this, that when you were born, that with your birth certificate, in a sense, you got this note that says you were condemned. There was this note that says if you don't make a choice in life, this is where you're going to go. Because why sin was separating you from God? And the word of God says that Jesus comes and he dies in Calvary, cancelling the note that is against us. Listen to this. Verse 15 says, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. Now you've got to understand something. In those days, in the Roman things, that what would happen, a public spectacle would be this, that when we, Stephen and myself, I'm a king and Stephen's a king, and we are two different nations, two different clans, or two different regions, or whatever, when we go to war, my aim is to capture Stephen alive. And when I capture Stephen alive, a, a public spectacle was this, that then I would take Stephen, and then I would parade him behind me, or behind my horse in chains, as me, as the victorious king, and him as the defeated king, that he would walk behind me. And he would be publicly humiliated, not just in my kingdom, but he would be publicly humiliated in his kingdom. And what they would do is they would march them behind the horse, and the common folk, the folk that lived on the streets, the folk that lived mouth to mouth, were able to throw things at him. And so it's a way where they would, they would make a public spectacle, they would embarrass him, completely. There are, some, there are some historians that say that, that what the king would then do is then he would amputate the thumb of the, next, of the defeated king and he would cut off his big toes. Why? Because he could not have balance and he could never hold the sword again. 
So the word of God, so you've got to see this picture. The word of God says that when Jesus died on the cross, if you close your eyes right now, you've got to see Jesus riding on this massive white horse. And behind him, behind him in chains is Satan. And behind him is us common folk. People that are nothing without Jesus. That are be able to make a public spectacle of Satan. And it's not in that. He says, and he cancelled every bit of power, every principality, and every judgment against you and I. That's a massive thing. It's a massive thing. That what the first Adam failed to do, Jesus comes and restores to us in the second Adam in Jesus, life and life abundantly. But not many of us understand that. You see the word carries on and says, So let's not judge you in food or in drink or regarding festivals or new moons or Sabbath, or which are shadows of things to come, but the substance of Christ. Let no one cheat you out of your reward. Take the light in false humility, don't take the light in false humility and worship of angels, including these things which have not yet seen, vainly puffed up in by his fleshly mind. And so he says, You cannot become part of what is happening around you in the world. That you've got to understand that you've been bought at a price that Jesus Christ died on Calvary for you and for me. You see, there's no greater love than this. There's no greater love than this. That a man that you didn't know before you were conceived came to die on Calvary for you. John 15 says this. I love the scripture in verse 12. It says this. It says, this is my commandment that you love one another that you love one another in the same manner that I have loved you. Greater love has no one than that, that that lays down his life for his friend. And you are my friend, and you do whatever I command you to do. Now I want to go back to that beginning of the verse, and he says this in verse 14. Uh, verse 12, sorry. It says, this is my commandment. This is not just something that Jesus is sucking on himself. This is not something that, 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 that Jesus, I oh, you know this is a good thing to do. Jesus said, this is my commandment. Listen, to you, who's spiritual, yeah? Who's easy, Jesus, Lord, Savior, who's saved, everyone's saved. So he's speaking to you. And he's saying to you that have received me as Lord and Savior of your life, I've got this one commandment for you. To love your neighbor, Oh, no, carry on, verse 12, sorry. It says this, um, that you love one another in the same manner that I have loved you. I remember growing up, and we always had that question, so what is love? Who knows? So what is true love? Is love a feeling? Is love an emotion? Is love something that somebody does for us? And I think we're living in a world right now where we really are confused about what real love is. Because we've been taught differently. You see, as young men growing up, we were taught that if you wanted something, you needed to do something. And there's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to love, that's a whole different avenue. And you've got to say something that most of the world today cannot fathom the fact and this is the biggest discrepancy in Christian faith. People don't get it. Why would somebody die on the cross for you and for me? Is that even possible? 
that we can debate whether Jesus died on the cross, but it's in the historical books. It's written down in all the books. You can go read it in history. There was a man at Calvary that died for you and me. But the world struggles with this. Because for so many of us, we brought up that love. That love is a relationship with someone else. And we go from partner to partner to partner to try and fill that gap. We try different religions. You know, we try alcohol. We try church. We even do the old church thing. And something just doesn't settle in our spirit until we have an encounter with Him. You see, He says, No greater love is any man that one would lay down his life for a friend. Listen to this. He says, And I call you friend. That's incredible. That is incredible. You see, this is the problem with most believers or most people in Christian circles today. They believe simple this, that the good news is too good to be true. Maybe just one amen. amen. Wow, we got two amens. There we go. But that's what the word says. The word says very clearly. Now, when we do the Lord's Prayer, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, what do we pray? The Lord forgive us as we forgive them that trespass against us in the same manner that we for God forgives us. We need to forgive other people. And that's what is not easy. It's not always easy to forgive people, especially when people have hurt you. And I don't think there's one person sitting in this room right now that has not been hurt by somebody. And sometimes the people that hurt you are the people that are closest to you. You see, we feel hurt and we feel discouraged often because we don't understand what real love is. We, we want to get depressed when someone doesn't um, you know, do what we want them to do. Or doesn't treat us in a certain way. And you've got to understand something. That the world has pre-programmed our mind to see things differently. We see things in opposition to the word of God. That's the world. We see things in opposition to the world. The world teaches us one thing. And if you and I have never encountered Jesus, when we read the word of God, it doesn't make sense to many of us. Galatians 5. And I'm going to run through a couple of scriptures this morning. But I want you to bear with me. Galatians chapter 5. And I want to read from verse 16 this morning. But he says this. Very clearly. It says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit. Be spiritful. Be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Be in the word of God. Be in intimate relationship through prayer with God. He says, and the lust of the flesh will not overrun you. Now, now, let me ask quickly, that when we were in the world, sin was not a thing for us. We just did it. It's only when we came to Christ that we started to see that certain things that we thought were okay, were not okay. You switch on any movie or any TV channel today, and there's things that are absolutely 500% contradictory to the word of God. But you know something, they say this, that if you want to hear something, it takes, it takes seven positive thoughts to wipe out one negative comment. Seven positive comments to wipe out one negative comment. And you and I are daily bombarded by TV. I mean, most people think that true love is based on Hollywood or pretty woman. 
That's what we want. I, how many times have you sat next to a woman and goes, Oh, I wish I could meet a man like that. Hey, oh, I wish I had a husband like People said to Chantal, I wish I had a husband like you. In front of her husband. Now they only see me for an hour in the church on Sunday. You know, I can be a hell of a nice guy for an hour. She lives with me. She just shakes her head and goes, cool, you can have him. <laughs> I'll keep you for the hour at church, you can have another 23 hours. Why? Because our mind, summer, don't, doesn't conceive, we battle to conceive what a real love relationship's about. So we read now that he cancelled the written code against you. That you're sentenced to death. Your death note. He tore it up, he ripped it up, he threw it up. The accuser, he destroyed him and made a public spectacle of him. But he carries and says, you cannot walk in the spirit. And there's still four things of the uh, flesh, a uh, lust of the flesh. Listen to this, verse 7, he says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit. Alright? And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do things that you wish. Now listen to that carefully. What the word says here, there, there's a daily struggle in your life and my life, whether we believers or not. We are not, uh, we're not, uh, what's the right word, exempt from the world around us. We're not exempt from COVID. We're not exempt from the sin around us. We're not exempt from what we're watching on TV. You know, God doesn't mute when we're watching something we shouldn't be watching. You know, God doesn't make us throw up every time we have one glass of wine or, you know, one cigarette and we get sick as dogs. It's a choice that each and every day you and I make. The Word says that there's a struggle in your life. There's a struggle between the flesh and the Spirit of God. They, they cannot sit around the same table. Listen to this. Verse 8 says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. So he says that if you're led by the Spirit, you're not even going to think about the law, that you need to do something to get something. That's a massive thing. That's a massive, and I can say that to you. I can say to you with confidence that I no longer, because I'm in Christ, I don't walk around thinking about sinful stuff. Why? Because my mind is consumed with the things of God. Are there moments? Absolutely. Are there weaknesses? Absolutely. You and I are absolute human beings in this world. We're going to be tempted each and every day. We're going to go through difficult stuff. I know what the problem is that often we fall back on that which we found comfort in before we were Christians and we think it's going to help when in fact it worsens. Listen to this, he says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissension, heresy, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelry, and the likes of which I tell before you beforehand. Just as I told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So what is he saying? What he says, well, there's two characteristics here. He says the characteristics of the flesh. If you are caught up in all this stuff, if you are caught up in idolatry and drunkenness and fornication and, and that whole list of stuff, he says, then you, when you look in the mirror, you have to say to yourself, good you are in the flesh because you're not in the spirit. <clears throat> he says, but if you look at yourself through God, he says, and the fruits of that, the fruits of who you are, it's got to be simple. He says, they've got to show certain things like love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there are no law. 
He says, and those who are, who are in Christ have circumcised the flesh, flesh with his passion and desires. And if you live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let's not become conceited, provoked in one another, envying one another. And he says, if you want to understand true love, if you want to understand true love and what I'm saying to you this morning, that when you look in the mirror, you have to take a guide and say, you know what, I cannot walk in this anymore because in a sense this has been removed from my life through Christ Jesus. But we need to live in this, that what a real love is, what a real encounter is. Let me tell you something, and I don't want to preach the massive thing this morning, but I really want to say this to you, that I grew up in a Christian home. My parents told me about God. We went to Sunday school. We went to church. I gave my life to God at a young age. But it didn't change anything in my life. My mom would say that. It didn't change anything. In fact, things got worse in my life. I became more stubborn. I became more aggressive. I became more disrespectful. Even though I gave my life to God, as a youngster, the God preached so well that it, grew, it sounded like he grew up in hell. I was convinced that I didn't want to go there. And so I give my life to Jesus because I'm terrified of this place that this guy's telling me about. But nothing changed in my life. You see, the puzzle piece that he gave me didn't fit here. Because it wasn't a commitment that would fill that space. It was a relationship that was going to fill that space. We know puzzle piece. It can be a fraction out in one corner and it just doesn't fit. And at the most angriest time of my life, the time where I can say to you that I was angry with God, I was angry with the world around me, I was angry with everything that happened. I, I didn't understand why things were going on in the last way that I did. And in that moment, in that anger, in that bitterness, God reaches out and He touches me with something that changes my life forever. You see, it's one thing to receive love. It's another thing to encounter love. That when I hated him the most, he couldn't resist but love me more. He couldn't resist it. I remember one night sitting in my lounge and I was still in the hospital. And, and you know me, I don't sing. I stay far away from that camera even because it sounds that bad. I did try and play a musical instrument once. Didn't go down well. But I remember picking up this old guitar that we had, and I think it was Jessica's or something. No, it wasn't Jessica's. I mean, she was like two years old at the time. But we had this guitar. And I remember sitting in the lounge where I live right now, and I just started to strum this guitar, and I just started to worship God. In this anger, in this bitterness, in this resentment, with five million questions, why, why, why? And I remember that in that moment, my singing must have been terrible, because I think that's why God came. You know, but in that moment, I just felt the presence of God just fill the room. And I will say to you, 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 you think it's one person, but I had a soul and poor encounter on that couch. That in an instant, my life turned around. And it wasn't because he'd taken away my sin. It wasn't because, you know, I'm no longer going to die and go to hell. It wasn't because I was going to church. It wasn't because I was reading the Bible. That it changed my life because for the first time in my life, I encountered true love. And we read it this morning, that he says to me, Kurt, now that you've experienced this true love, 
now that you've encountered true love, he says, love others as I have loved you. Whenever we watch the Oscars or whatever on TV, who knows what we watch? They always say, what do you want? And people go, I just want world peace. You know, I just, I just want world peace. Amen. And yet, the word of God clearly says to us how we give world peace. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said the greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your understanding. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because many of you guys don't smoke yourselves. You guys don't like yourselves. I see what you guys do to yourselves. You guys are condemning. You guys judge yourselves. You guys feel like you're not worthy. You guys feel like failures. You guys are doing all the crazy stuff to receive acceptance. And I want to say to you this, that you just need to come warts and all to Jesus this morning. It's almost like he just wants to send you that Valentine's card this morning. And he wants to declare to you his undying love for you. And he says, Lazana, I don't care where you are. I don't know where you've been. It doesn't matter. What matters is that I desire to spend intimate time with you. And out of the overflow of our relationship, that you can touch and treat others the way I treat you. That you can love others the way I love you. That you can be up to others what I am to you. It's an incredible thing. You see, I think the problem in church is this, is that we preach so much sin that we forget that love conquers all. Love conquers all. And I'm going to read the most well-known love verse ever in the Bible. I think they read it at every single wedding. 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. If you haven't read it yet, here we go. He carries on like this in verse 3 and he says, you may have some water. Verse 3 says this, And though I bestow all my goods to the feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not have loved, it profits me nothing. Listen to that. You can be the coolest guy in the world. You can feed five million people today. Who knows that, that some of us can get married without love? Who knows that some of us can give to the poor without love? I really, I just sometimes wish that churches, when, when they hand out stuff and when they have prayer meetings, they just keep it to themselves. Because I really don't want to see on Facebook how many people you're feeding. The word of God actually is don't look your left hand, know what your right hand is doing. But listen to this. He says, you can do the craziest thing in the world, but if you have love, don't have love, it profits you nothing. He says, love is long-suffering and is kind. Love does not envy, love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, thinks no evil does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things love never fails 
You know, I wish you could make you go home and just write it on a piece of paper. Love never fails. And just stick it on your kitchen cupboard and stick it on your fridge and stick it on your bedroom cupboard. Because we need to get this. That when we speak about love, we're speaking about Christ Jesus, our hope, our Savior. And the word basically says Jesus never fails. Never fails. He might take a little bit longer time to answer prayers, but he never fails. He says, he says, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. And where there are tongues, they will cease. And where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, that which is part will be done away with. He says, and when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away my childish things. For now we see in a mirror, in a mirror in our face, dimly, but face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now about faith, love, and hope. And of these three, the greatest is love. I've got the most awesome wife. I've got the most awesome kids. I've got the most awesome church. I've got the most awesome parents and siblings. But the love they give me is nothing compared to the unconditional, unwarranted love that God pours out for me each and every day. You see, we want the world to impact in such a way that we can love differently. But we don't understand that when we fall into a love relationship with Him, you know what happens? We can change the world around us. You see, our problem in closing is not that we don't know how to love. Our problem in our world is not that, you know, we do things wrong or we go down the wrong path. The problem is this, is that we don't understand that any form of love takes a level of commitment. Amen? Thank you, Rini. I saw that nod. The rest of the song. You see, I'm in a love relationship with my wife. Do you know what makes it better? Spending more time with her. Getting to know her. Do the things that we don't normally do. Sit down and have our, our moments, our conversations, our chats. And the more time you spend with your partner, the more time you will spend falling in love with them and getting to know them. And the thing is, the more that you love them, the less you want to do to hurt them. You see, I, I, men don't want to have an affair because they don't love their wives. They want to have an affair because they've got no relationship with many of their wives. And vice versa. And this is our problem, is that we want a love relationship with God, and we want Him to be all that is purpose, and we want Him to forgive our sins, and remove His, his Father, Father East is from the West, and we thank Him that He died in Calvary, and we got all those things in our favor. But we think that this thing is going to work by speaking to Him once a week. You see, there's one thing that love takes, and love takes commitment. Love takes dedication. I read last week in Matthew 24 what the, what's going to happen in the end times. The word speaks about pestilences and famines and wars and rumors of wars. But right there in the middle he says this. He says, and the love of many will grow cold. Let me tell you something. We're in that season right now where the love of men have grown cold. I've never seen people so aggressive towards each other. 
I've never seen people so angry with each other. I've never seen people just constantly fighting with one another. I've never seen it. But it's happened. Because you see, the further we move away from a love relationship with God, the further we move into the things of the flesh. Remember the word of God said that we can either serve the flesh or Him. And every now and again, we need to do this evaluation in our lives. And go, so what does this look like, God? <laughs> Are you the only one that is pouring into this relationship? Or am I pouring into it as well? You see, we think that Jesus died simply to remove sin that you can go to heaven. And that's a lie. You see, the reason why sin came to the world, why God hated sin, is that it separated him from Adam. That he could no longer walk in the still of the night. God didn't desire the man. God desired the relationship. And the moment that sin entered it, and him and Adam were separated, God's heart broke. And he thought the only way that he could fix this is through his son Jesus. And God's heart breaks when he can't come into a love relationship with you. When it's just a platonic thing. When it's a long distance relationship. And you can preach whatever you want to, but I want to say this to you, that if you preach the love of Jesus, everything changes. That if you count His love, everything changes. That when you allow God to pour out who He is into your life, I promise you, your marriage will change, your work will change. Everything will change. Because you're seeing things through different glasses, through different lenses. All of a sudden you're operating out of a relationship. And not towards a relationship. Think about it. No privilege job this morning. No greater love than any man that would lay down his life for his friend and he says, I call you friend. He died for you. He made a public spectacle of the enemy. He cancelled the code of death and sin against you. He removed your sin as far as the east is from the west from you. In actual fact, he has set you up perfectly. Just answer the phone. Just answer the phone. Because there's somebody that desires to meet with you. And his name is Jesus. He didn't do this because it was fun. He did it because he's crazy about you. Crazy about you. Think about it. How many of you would die for someone else today? How many of you would die for someone you don't know? How many of you would die for a terrorist in Iraq right now? And yet Jesus didn't look at where you came from. Doesn't look at your belief system. He says this, he says, anyone, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And you know who anybody is? It's all of us in this room. But Kurt, there's no buts. There's no buts. There's no buts. He loves you just the way you are. Just the way you are. With all your warts and all your problems and all the insecurities. Crazy about you. Crazy about you. Sitting right now in the morning on the balcony of heaven looking over you going, wow, it's my girl. 
That's my boy. Ah, oh, call to me. The word says that when you seek him with all of your heart, guess what? You're going to be found by him. You're going to be found by him. And Father, this morning we've said a lot. And a lot has been preached this morning. A lot of scriptures have been read. But oh God, if you do not, if we do not encounter your love by your spirit, we're never going to change. We're always going to believe that we need to do something to come into your presence. And we don't. Simply need to come and just sit at your feet. And so I pray for any person this morning. You can be online. You can be in this church. Maybe you've never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. Maybe you have for the same reason that I did because you were fearful of death. But you might say to me, Kurt, I've never encountered the love of God in such a way that has blown my mind. And I want to say to you, this is your time. And so Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you come in Jesus' name. If you've never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I just want you to take this moment and say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. The name above all names. I confess that I'm a sinner. I confess that I've fallen short in the glory. But today I make the decision to receive you as Lord and Savior of my life. And I ask that you would come, Holy Spirit of God, and I pray that you'd lead me into the inner room, into the inner sanctuary. That this morning I may encounter my Jesus face to face. And that my life will be changed forever. And the things of the, of the, of the, the lust of the flesh will fall to the ground this morning. So come, Holy Spirit.